Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Thanks for joining us again for another episode of Texas Ag Today as we wrap up another week in Texas agriculture. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. When you're trying to figure out ways to lower agriculture's impact on air quality, you have to consider the cost-effectiveness of any new ideas being proposed. I'm James Hunt, and I'll bring you one Texas Ag researcher's thoughts on the subject on Texas Ag Today. You can raise bison with cattle, but you'll need a few things first. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll explain on Texas Ag Today. Commodity markets go up and down. Surprises come even to people who watch them every day. But luckily enough, we have some movement to the upside right now that not many people expected. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler. I have the story in my report from the Rolling Plains. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Tom Vilsack is set to be the next U.S. Agriculture Secretary. This will be his second tenure at the USDA after running it for the eight years of the Obama administration. But with all of the turmoil in Washington right now, how long will it take to get Vilsack confirmed? Senator Debbie Stabenow of Michigan is taking over as chair of the Senate Ag Committee. She says she wants a speedy confirmation, but there are a few things the committee needs to clear up first. Because technically with Senator Roberts retiring, we don't have a chair, we don't have a ranking member. And so all this is about is just getting um, the organizing resolution done. The organizing resolution for a new Senate and a new majority was delayed in a fight over ending the legislative filibuster. I have openings on my committee, so until they pass the organizing resolution and uh, and name the members of the Ag Committee, I don't have committees to to members to vote. Right. So can Vilsack be done before or after the uh, impeachment? We're, We're trying to do it as fast as possible. For now, Vilsack's confirmation hearing is scheduled for Tuesday, February 2nd. Paying for college is no easy task, but there's a big scholarship opportunity for Texas agriculture students. Applications are now being accepted for the SM True Junior Agricultural Scholar Award. It's a scholarship offered by the Texas Farm Bureau. The $20,000 scholarship honors SM True Junior, a former TFB president, and his commitment to agriculture. You can apply online at my.texasfarmbureau.org. When you're trying to figure out ways to lower agriculture's impact on air quality, you have to consider the cost-effectiveness of any new ideas being proposed. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. 
Today we talk more about the appointment of Dr. Brent Overman to the USDA Task Force for Agricultural Air Quality Research. Overman, who is the Center Director for the Texas A&M AgriLife Research and Extension Center in Amarillo, has spent years as a researcher and educator helping agriculture address air quality issues. When I interviewed him a few days ago, we discussed things ag has already adopted for the sake of air quality, such as a significant change made in the way liquid manure taken from livestock operations is applied as fertilizer. That liquid manure has the potential to release ammonia and hydrogen sulfide and odorous gases into the environment when you land apply it as a beneficial nutrient for crops. Well, over the last couple of decades, we've discovered how to inject that material below the surface of the soil so that the emission potential is reduced. But while progress can be made in many areas of ag operations perhaps, one example of a problem for which a solution might not be readily available is controlling dust from farmers' tractors. If you tried to use water to do it, you'd be drawing a nurse tank of water behind that tractor. You'd have to be refilling that tank all the time. You'd have to have twice as much tractor to pull the whole thing. So in analyzing what can be done for the sake of agricultural air quality, practicality must be a consideration. One of the things that the task force is tasked with doing is trying to sort through some of the options that researchers are coming up with, evaluate how effective they're likely to be or how effective they're documented to be in the refereed literature, and then try to assign some level of confidence to that and some level of confidence to the cost effectiveness of that thing. More from Dr. Overman tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Raising bison in Texas can be a way to diversify your ranch. Jessica Domel has some tips. Last week, we told you that bison may be a viable option for ranchers looking to diversify. But raising bison isn't exactly like raising cattle. So, for more on the needs of bison, we're joined today by Donis Baggett. He raises bison in the Bryan area and is president of the National Bison Association. He says if you have cattle and want to add bison, it's best to keep them in separate pastures. There's obviously market for beef and there's a market for bison, but I don't know of any real established market or promotional effort for beefalo. It's just kind of out there on its own, and I don't know anybody that sells it, to be honest with you. So I would not recommend co-pasturing. I think they need to be kept separate and apart. As far as whether you can run bison under a cattle fence, you can if it's a good fence. Now, if it's three strands of rusty barbed wire held up by habit rather than posts, I wouldn't recommend that. I wouldn't recommend it for cattle either, for that matter. But if it's a decent fence, it will hold bison. If you buy bison that are accustomed to being around each other and accustomed to being around people, if you buy one from an auction in South Dakota and another one from an auction in Missouri and another one from Colorado, they don't know each other. They have to sort out the pecking order and all of that, and you could have some behavioral issues there. But if you buy what we call a sister herd, if you buy a half dozen heifer calves that come from the same ranch that probably have the same father, they already have the pecking order worked out. They're less stressed out because they're being hauled together and put on this new place together, and it works very well. We had cattle at this ranch many years ago, but for about 30 or more years, that same five-strand barbed wire fence that all those cattle held bison. Baggett says bison do well in both semi-arid and arid environments. He says your stocking rate will vary depending upon grass availability. 
it's sort of like anything else, like cattle or anything else. The further east you go, the greener things tend to be and the more grass you tend to have. Your stocking rate will vary. If you have 100 acres in central Texas around Waco or Bryan, that's going to handle more animals than in Fort Stockton. You know, that's just not as much grass out there. Now, the grass they do have around there is usually, even though there's not, not much of it, it's very strong grass. So there's different things to consider there, but your stocking rate, if you only have a few acres, is going to be higher in the central part of the state than it will be in the western part of the state. Bison raisers will also need durable handling facilities for the bison and a smart preventative health program. According to the Texas Bison Association, the cost of getting into bison ranching is roughly the same as establishing a quality commercial cattle herd. Additional resources are available on both the Texas and the National Bison Association websites. That is bisoncentral.com and texasbison.org. Today's comments were from Donis Baggett with the National Bison Association. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. Texas farmers are enjoying a nice spike in commodity prices right now. Barry Mahler has more from the Rolling Plains. As a farmer and farm broadcaster, I've spent most of my life watching the commodity markets, especially for crops most commonly grown here on the rolling plains of Texas. And in that time, I've learned that the more I study, sometimes the less I understand. Well, we're finishing up ginning the cotton crop right now, and I'm surprised to see the market trending up when you take into consideration the slowdown of trade with China during trade negotiations and the slowdown of the economy due to the pandemic. It just didn't seem possible for the market to go up right now. But sure, enough with hope that the vaccine will be successful in controlling the COVID and China needing more imports to get their economy moving again, well, we've got a chance to enjoy a market that's at least 10 cents a pound higher than it was last year. It's the same kind of scenario in wheat. I've always looked to Kim Anderson with the Oklahoma State University system for information on the wheat market, and in his latest writings, he points out that wheat is being contracted for at least a dollar higher now as compared to last year, and in some cases, it's as much as a dollar. 50 a bushel higher. He says that some importers are building stocks and that means that they're in the market to buy. There seems to be the most interest in hard red wheat like we grow here in Texas. Now that's bread making wheat and it's somewhat short in supply with the stocks to use ratio projected to be 18% as compared to 20% the last five years. The fact that the U.S. dollar has declined also makes our wheat a better buy in the market. Don't get too excited as higher prices usually mean more production with the main determining factor still the weather. We'll be watching the world weather situation from March through June as that's the key to wheat production. Higher prices are a good way to start 2021 for producers. We've been needing some good news lately. But one thing I've learned from watching the markets from all these years is just when you think the price can't move, it finds a reason to do just that. So my advice, take advantage of it while you can. This is Barry Mahler reporting from North Central Texas for Texas Ag Today. Extremely rare news regarding a Central Texas lake. I'm Jessica Dommel and I'll explain on Texas Ag Today. And the wrong quantities of minerals for your cattle can be dangerous or even deadly. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The wrong quantities of minerals for your cattle can be dangerous and worse, it can be deadly. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more. Dr. Joe Paschal with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension indicates just because your neighbor uses a certain mineral mix does not mean that it is correct for your herd. It all depends on your soil, supplements, feed, forage, and water supply. And Dr. Thomas Hargrove, also with AgriLife Extension, indicates that knowing your herd's mineral status is fundamental to developing a herd health plan. And you have to look at the total nutritional program because these minerals interact as diets high in protein or potassium or low in carbohydrates can impair magnesium absorption. Also, zinc and copper must be absorbed in a specific ratio as excess zinc reduces copper absorption, while excess iron and sulfur can interfere with absorption of other minerals. The doctors give an example of a rancher in Burleson County that had 20 head of cattle die in one year, and most animals experienced sudden death. Those that did not die immediately exhibited grass tetany signs, and urine and blood samples were submitted to the lab. Copper levels were low, but this would not cause sudden death. Because blood magnesium levels are not always accurate, urinary magnesium levels were examined and found to be lowered, indicating grass tetany was likely the cause of the death. Although the rancher had mineral blocks available, this will not prevent grass tetany as a certain amount of granular magnesium mineral must be ingested per day to prevent the disease. So rather than just go to the feed store and pick up mineral blocks or even a bag of minerals, it is important to work with your vet and analyze the ration to determine which minerals and amounts are needed for your specific herd. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's a zebra mussel success story on a central Texas lake. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. There is good news from Central Texas. After months of hard work by local and state authorities, invasive zebra mussels have been successfully eradicated from Lake Waco. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department says eradication of zebra mussels like this is extremely rare, but in this case, it was made possible by early detection and a multi-agency response. Zebra mussels were spotted on Lake Waco back in 2014, but quick action at the time killed many of the invasive mussels and helped prevent further spread. A few months later, the mussels were found again at a single boat ramp on the lake. TPWD reports an infested barge is believed to be the source of the mussels. It was removed from the lake and the owner was cited. In October of 2014, TPWD and other agencies began working on a rapid response effort to install nearly an acre of plastic sheeting over the shoreline and lake bottom in the affected area and weighted it down with sandbags. It was done in an attempt to kill the mussels by blocking oxygen, impeding their reproduction, and preventing them from becoming established in the lake. 
The plastic was removed five months later, and since that time, only a single zebra mussel has been found. TPWD and the city of Waco have monitored the lake since that time, and no zebra mussel larvae, settled adults, or their DNA has been found, signaling the eradication effort was a success, and Lake Waco is now zebra mussel negative. Boaters, anglers, and recreationalists are encouraged to continue to clean, drain, and dry their boats and gear when leaving any water body to prevent the further spread of the invasive zebra mussels in Texas. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market traded on both sides of the market on Thursday while the grain markets headed lower. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was a mixed trade in the cattle complex on Thursday, contracts trading on both sides of Unchained, and that is how we wrapped up the trading. We closed with a mixed close in both feeders and live cattle. February live cattle down 45 at 116 even. April up 7, 122.70. June live cattle down 22, 118.82. January feeder cattle up 7 cents, 135.70. March feeders down 27, 139.80. The April down 40 at 142.67. Cash fed cattle market still fairly quiet on Thursday. The latest report we had showed a few sales in Texas this week at 112 to 113. Had a few cattle sell up in Iowa, 110 to 112 on a live basis, but again, very few cattle, not enough for a market test. The feedlots still asking 114 to 116. Boxed beef prices higher once again. Choice up 98 cents at 230.64. The select up 239, 221.38. Let's check the auction barns now. We'll go to Fredericksburg, Texas. Gillespie Livestock Company selling 1,454 head. The trend was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, a dollar forty to two oh one a pound. Three to four weights, a dollar fifty to two dollars. Four to five weight steers, a dollar forty-five to a dollar eighty a pound. Five to six weight steers, a dollar twenty to a dollar sixty-six. Six to seven hundred pounders, a dollar fifteen to a dollar forty-five, and the heavy seven to eight weight steers, a dollar ten to a dollar thirty-three a pound. Slaughter cows, thirty to sixty-five cents. Slaughter bulls, seventy to ninety cents. Stocker cows, six hundred to twelve hundred a head. Cow calf pairs brought a thousand to thirteen hundred a pair. Now back over to the futures market where lean hogs close mixed. February hogs down 62, 69.95. April hogs up 7, 
76.37. Class 3 milk narrowly mixed. The January contract down 2 cents, 16.12 a hundredweight. February milk up 4 at 15.56. The cotton market continues to move lower despite the fact that we had a pretty decent export sales report out on Thursday morning. Sales 322,000 bales, that's higher than last week, but still this market is drifting lower each day. We close with March cotton down 91 points. We're down below 80 cents now, 79.93 on the spot March contract. May cotton down 86 at 81.13. The December new crop contract down 58 points, 77.50 cents. The wheat market closed lower on Thursday, both hard and soft wheat in negative territory. A lot of pressure coming from the fact that Russia is putting an export tax on their wheat effective March 1st. So you have a lot of Russian exporters hurrying to push some wheat out onto the world market before that tax kicks in, and that's putting some pressure on our prices. We close with July Kansas City wheat down nine and three quarters, six twenty-six a bushel. July Chicago wheat down nine cents, six thirty-one and a half. The corn market was mixed. The old crop contracts higher, the new crop lower. The March actually hit a life of contract high based on the fact that China has been a strong buyer of U.S. corn this week. However, we pulled back toward the close. We only finished a half cent higher, 534 and a half. It traded as high as 550 and a half. Looking at the new crop contracts, September corn down three and a half at 465, December down three and three quarters, 438 and three quarters. In the energy markets, March natural gas down a penny, 268, March crude oil down 57 cents, 52.28 a barrel. The financial markets higher, the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 300 points. 30,603. The NASDAQ up 66 at 13,337. The S&P 500 up 36, 3,787. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. I always appreciate it, and don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.